Well, I I failed swimming because I couldn't. Did swim. you drown? <laughs> no, I couldn't swim straight. Apparently. What? Okay. Yeah, I made it to the other side, but I was like a like two feet left of of where I started on the other side. Weird, because you know? ours like wasn't even graded on swimming. Like you could walk, and it counted as you participating, and you passed. <laughs> Yeah, so I had to take remedial swimming, and then the first day of remedial swimming... Wait, wait, is this school, or were you taking classes at, like, the Y? No, no, it was fucking PTHS, man. I'm assuming that's Penn Trafford High School? Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so they changed the curriculum since you were there. <laughs> and then, yeah, first first day of remedial swimming, he, he just said everyone get in and swim to the other side. And and it was actually a football coach at the time who was taking me. He's like Stoltz. He's like, what the fuck? Why are you like? Why did? Why are you here? And I'm like, oh, I couldn't swim straight. He's like, get out of here. You don't have to swim ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, good, sweet. I don't, I I'm pretty sure he didn't swear at me. I was just doing that for everybody. <laughs> so wait, where did where did you go afterwards? Oh yeah, it was just like a study hall from then on. But I had to take a study hall in like the the swimming bleachers. Mm. <laughs> Because they had bleachers to watch, like, you know, divers and yeah. swimming and yeah. shit like that. So, they just, you know, fucked off for the whole period from then on. <laughs> Wait, was it like a whole semester of remedial school? Yeah! What yeah! The I, fuck! I, yeah! This place was awful in the 70s. <laughs> 70s? What the hell? <laughs> uh, son of a bitch. Attention, listeners, you're experiencing Braggy and his super friends, the intersection of geeky goodness and enlightenment. I'm your forever host, Ian Leidick. Joining me today is an excellent panel, starting with the man whose shell is a turtle's, Brian Labick. I think you introed this thing better than I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, our next guest is a micro-machine man living in a mega-tech world, and a stool's train! Oh. What's up, podcast people? Woo woo! Angels and demons circle above me through the thorns to the stars. Only those unable to perceive its call do not know happiness. Watch in awe. It's Mike Bradley. Was that about me, or was that just a, a statement about yourself and then my name? It's the opening line of the Ghost in the Shell anime TV show opening credits. All right. That's a deep cut for our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> All right. I imagine we're going to have okay. a lot more deep cuts before this episode is over. Did you like that more than the bathroom, like the, the shower rings? <laughs> um, 50-50. Gotcha. And now we'll turn it over to the Bry guy for his rewind recap. Yeah, thanks for the handoff. Uh, so, <laughs> as promised, so we're back for another Rewind Theater episode. This is our first Rewind Theater probably in about two months. Uh, we've actually had some new movies, other content to talk about, so these episodes have taken a little bit of a backseat. It's been so long, I think you may be asking yourself, what is a Rewind Theater episode? So if you've forgotten, or if this is your first Rewind Theater, 
it's basically an excuse for us to go back, revisit some old comic book movies that we either haven't seen or haven't seen for a while. Uh, our format for these has been to start with some of the comic book history for the movie we're on, since they're all based on comic books or graphic novels. After that, we'll talk about some of the people involved with trans transitioning that property into a movie. We'll go over budgets, box office gross, ratings, if it's a first-time watch or rewatch for any of us. And then before we get into the discussion, I'll throw it out there for the spoiler alert. We'll get a 60-second summary, which one of us has volunteered to take ahead of time. Uh, we've revamped our discussion topics a bit. So instead of five topics, we're bringing it down to three. So we're going to do direction and story, characters and actors, and then anything else we missed is going to fall into that third category. So to try to keep us on track, we've given ourselves the timer for each of those categories. Uh, previously, we did 10 minutes. We're going to do... 20 minutes for the three categories that we have. So instead of 10 minutes for five categories, we're doing 20 minutes for the three. And hopefully that'll keep us on track. Uh, once we get through all that, we'll end up with the discussion of the movie. We'll get a rating to see where everyone thinks about the movie. See if it holds up or not, since these are rewind episodes. And then finally, to take the pressure off of us, we leave it up to the Wheel of Fate to pick the next movie we are watching. If you've listened to past episodes, you'll know that we've been trying to stick to three franchises and three standalone movies on the wheel at a time. Uh, we reserve the right to change that format whenever we feel like it's not working. So as it is, as it stands right now, we're still sticking to that. So either way, at the end of the episode, we'll spin the wheel to see what we're up to next. At the end of our episode for Captain America from 1990, the wheel selected Ghost in the Shell, much to Ian's excitement. And just to be clear, this is the anime version from 1995. We may eventually get to ScarJo, but that's further down the line. We have to get through whatever else Ian has picked for us in the Ghost in the Shell category. Um, and then since Ian is our anime expert and knows the most about our topic at hand, uh, we're letting him sort of take the lead on some of this stuff. So he's going to do the comic book background and the people that helped uh, transition this property into a movie. So Ian, take us away. Attention, class. Your lame-o teacher ain't here anymore, so we're having class outside. <laughs> <laughs> Ghost in the Shell was created by Masumune Shiro, who both wrote and illustrated the manga, comic book, in 1989. It was originally released in Kodanchi's Weekly Young Magazine. This manga was also published, uh, this magazine also published Akira, which also had a very popular movie made, which was one of the first big anime movies in the West. Ghost in the Shell ran originally until November of 1990. Shiro, while creating the comic book, struggled between making neither too complex nor too simple of a story. He really wanted to try and make a story that people could get, but not be overtly simple and have nothing behind it. He wanted to say something with his work, but make it accessible. The magazine, though, when he pitched them the idea, they wanted a flashier name than Ghost in the Shell. So the comic was ran as Mobile Armored Riot Police. And then awesome. it's and in small print beneath that it said Ghost in the Shell. Uh, this continued for the entirety of its original like run. So while he did hand draw the original Shiro, the sequel, Ghost in the Shell 2, Man Machine Interface, completely dropping Mobile Armored Riot Police, was made six years later and he produced it digitally, no longer using hand drawn techniques. The sequel ran in Young Magazine from September 1991 until August 1997. Ghost in the Shell contains numerous footnotes and explanations to give the readers an understanding of the sociological and technological differences in the world, including examples explaining hacking techniques for cyberbrain hacking, 
the 3D viewing room effects were based on, at the time, the crude golf simulator technology. So if you remember, like, way back in the 90s, like, the you would hit the ball against the screen, but it looked like dog shit. That's kind of <laughs> where he got his idea of what 3D could look like. He's like, golf simulator. <laughs> Shiro's work showed his beliefs on religion, crime and punishment, metaphysics, and his other philosophical stances, making Ghost in the Shell an inherently political work. And the second English localization, a two-page lesbian sex scene, was removed by the U.S. publisher. This caused fans <laughs> to react negatively to the removal, which appeared in the original Dark Horse release in 1995. Shiro grew tired of taking flack over the pages and opted to remove them from future publications and he reworked the previous setup pages. He was just like, I just don't care enough. This isn't integral to my work. I'm done with it. Like, I just yeah, don't care. Even when the fans, like, rallying behind him, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> He was like, fuck, I don't give a shit about you guys. <laughs> At the time when Ghost in the Shell was first brought over to America the, in the comic book form, most English releases were released left to right because that's how U.S. audiences read. So normally this was done by just mirroring the original manga. So you would mirror it so it would read left to right and then you would just type in. So like things on shirts would now be backwards, you know? Okay. Shiro didn't want to do that for his release, so he re manually redrew the entire manga left to right, just so Oof. that it would match his vision for the English release. When originally published, Ghost in the Cell was received so positive was received very positively, with the illustrations being praised as dynamic and beautiful, and he was praised for his futuristic urban landscape based on like a neo Hong Kong. Compared to the movie, Motoko Kusanagi is a much more slapstick, vivacious, and sexual personality. Motoko would make classic gag faces as punchlines in the comics and had a prostitution side business. The art style is also drastically different from the movie and is less akin to what you would see in 90s and modern comics to like that old 80s Japanese style, which I'm sure we're all intimately familiar with. Yeah, definitely, yes. After the success of Akira, which went on to gross 80 million worldwide, Production IG, which is only was a young studio at the time of this movie coming out, decided Ghost in the Shell would be a great movie to bring to the audiences as an anime, and that's why they chose it, because it was published, like I said, in the same magazine as Akira, and that class is school. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> Alright, so for the movie, I have a couple numbers to run over with you guys. So, any guesses on the film's budget. And I might have to remove Ian from the equation because I know he looked some of this stuff up beforehand. Well, I'm the one so... who told you. <laughs> well, that's true, yes. So, for Mike and Andy, any guesses for how much it cost to make Ghost in the Shell? So, to be fair, I definitely saw this, but I saw it in yen. Okay. So, I have no idea what that is. So, what number did you see in yen? We'll see if you're right. I think it was like 35 million yen. Or 355 million yen or something like that? Closer. Okay. I have no idea what yen to dollars is. Okay. So, 95, this movie, $5 million. Okay. Andy, any guesses? I'm going to undersell it $1 million. Okay. Uh, 330 million yen was the right number, which translates okay. to about $3 million. Okay. So, Mike was close. Well, you had one million. Yeah, he had even. five million. You guys kind of split the yeah. difference there. No, two hundred fifty is in the middle, so he's it's on the upside. No, three's in the middle. Well, he he said yen, but then he said five million dollars, 
You said so $1 million. You're both $2 you're, million off. Yeah. You're, yeah, we're, we're $2 million Three's right in the middle. This is why we get all the sponsorships. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too busy mathing. But I think this budget really shows that at no point in like animation production history did the people actually doing all of the work ever make any money. I mean, like, is that's that, such I, a cheap budget. It's a very low budget for the amount of work, like how long it took them to actually draw this. Yeah, like, it's, that's very. Well, cheap. I mean, what does that equate to in today's dollars, though? Because 1995 is 26 years ago. I don't know what the conversion is. Do we all know it offhand? No. No. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I feel like it's significantly more now. You know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't equate to what $3 million is at all. Well, Ian, I guess you, this is the question more directed to you, since I guess you follow this stuff a lot closer. Do you know, is that sort of par for the course for anime movies, $3 million? Or are they more or less than they're, that normally? They're a little more expensive now, because it's a growing transition, too, because they're going to a lot more digital effects, because it's cheaper. Okay. So they're adding, like, less hand-drawn stuff. But something in that like that five ten million dollar range isn't absurd. There was okay. recently a set of movies from the Fate Fate Stay Night series release. They all like ended up grossing about twenty million each. Okay, so they were all made around five ten million. Like so that's it's not an absurd price. And I did look. This is five point two million in today money. Yeah, at three million. That's what so it's I came not up with on a quick search. That's not a big difference. And I said, I mean, like they just don't pay enough. It's a huge problem in the anime industry. That they're overworked huh. and underpaid, which is also maybe an issue with Japan in general and <laughs> the U.S. and a lot of countries. <clears throat> yeah, and it's probably a Tokyo issue with how overpopulated the city is. That doesn't help either. Yes. Yeah, it's gonna drive costs. Yeah. All right, so we have the now. we have the film's budget. Uh, any guesses for worldwide box office take for Ghost in the Shell? Well, since we just added to it. Yeah, the number goes up a little I'm bit guessing, come last week since we, we did go see it again in theater. Well, so that is adding I imagine to the number. I, I'm thinking in my own head, I imagine it's been re-released several times. Yeah, I, mean, I imagine this was not the first time it's ever been back in theaters. Right. I think I only saw one re-release other than the other night when we went. Oh, if I'm not okay. mistaken. I don't know if Ian can correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought that was all I saw. I didn't see any other ones, but they're not. that's not super... like. I'm not surprising is what I want to say. Like, I thought I saw some numbers for 2.0. Like, I thought they did something when 2.0 came out that it might have went back in the theater. They they might have, but, like, 2.0 obviously would also have its own numbers. Oh, true. Okay. Maybe that's... Okay. I'll Um, I'll say say 50. 50 million, Andy? 27. Okay. Uh, the, The actual number's low from what you guys are guessing. I'll give you that, and then we'll go through it. So, Box Office Mojo list original release date as making 516000 domestic. Uh, I didn't see any international numbers on Box Office Mojo. I got that number somewhere else. But it then lists the 2021 4K remaster, which is what we saw in the theater. That brought in another 220 k domestic. So that brings the domestic total to 736 k Um... Box Office Mojo only other lists New Zealand and Australia as the international release regions, and both of those two combined brought in six hundred and thirty-five dollars. Not thousand, just six hundred and thirty-five. Uh, Wikipedia says the film also released in Japan, even though that those numbers are not on Box Office Mojo. 
it lists the film as having a worldwide box office total as $10 million. So if you do the math, for Japan, it probably made a little bit over $9 million. So bringing, you know, the 736 k from domestic to bump that up to $10 million, you need a little bit over $9 million. So those are the okay. numbers we're looking at. $10 million total for worldwide box office. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes ratings has it right now. Critic rating, 96%. Audience rating, 89%. Uh, Metacritic has a Metascore of 76, a user score of 8.8. So this is actually pretty positively reviewed. Uh, And then as far as, we'll go around the horn for everybody, rewatch or first time viewing for everyone. Uh, Andy, first time or rewatch? First time. Mike? Same, first time. Ian, I think we know what, what you're going with. I was going to try and convince people it was my first time and I was making all this up. <laughs> I didn't know if I, I thought I did. I didn't, wasn't going to be able to pull that off. <laughs> I guess the, the, the question we should be asking you is how many rewatches is this for you? Uh, I'm in the double digits. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is a, a first time viewing for me. Uh, like we, we mentioned last week and you know we brought it up a couple times today. Me, Mike, and Ian actually all went to the theater for the 4K remaster that was the one night only screening and got to see it. So, you know, Mike and I's first viewing was in the theater, which was a pretty fun experience to do for a rewind theater movie. IMAX, too. Yeah. Not even just like normal theater, big theater. Uh, All right. So it's that time of the show. I think we're going to get into our discussion portion. Uh, Since we'll be discussing everything in the movie, I'm going to throw out the spoiler alert. So if you have not seen the movie, uh, again, Ghost in the Shell anime movie from 1985. Don't want spoiled. Pause us now. Come back after you've watched the film. Uh, if you want to listen anyway, feel free. Right at the spoiler alert is our 60-second summary, which will hopefully give you enough of a general plot of the movie. You can listen to our discussion. So either way, spoilers to follow. Spoiler! Spoiler! You know, something like that. All right, so now that we have the spoiler alert out of the way, we are rolling into the 60-second summary. All right, so the goal of this is to give you guys an idea of the plot of the movie, if you care to listen along after the spoiler. So we've added the challenge of having to give you this summary in under 60 seconds. So if you happen to miss any details, feel free to rewind it. You can listen to it again. It will be there for you. Uh, Mike has volunteered to give us a summary for this one, so we have 60 seconds on the clock. Uh, Do you want some sort of countdown, or are you just going to go and I'll hit play? Countdown works. All right. Whenever you're ready, in three, two, one, go. In 2029, Major Matoko Kusanagi, a cyborg-enhanced detective for Section 9, is on the trail of the Puppet Master, who can hack into a person's consciousness, or ghost. Turns out, Section 6 created Puppet Master to be an assassin. It escaped, gained some form of consciousness itself, and was seeking out Matoko to bond with and become one. Along the way, many existential questions are asked, but it's too much for 60 seconds. At the end, the bad guys think they've killed both Matoko and the Puppet Master, but with the help of her partner, Matoko's ghost and head survive, becoming one with the Puppet Master. Basically, guys, if you've seen Blade Runner, it's that, but it's Japanese in a cartoon. There we go. That's the end. That's the end. <laughs> 45 seconds. 45 well seconds. done. I nailed it. <laughs> I didn't get yelled at. That I, w- I was anticipating... The end, getting yelled at. <laughs> depends how I think. I, I think I feel like it depends how much you hear the music in your ears. If you can hear it getting faster, you know you're you're getting near the end of time. That's no, I meant, meant the Blade Runner comment. Yeah, oh, fa- <laughs> <laughs> but I like Blade Runner, so I don't. Yeah.
Yeah, no, it's Blade Runner's yeah. good. They're both good. There's they're, no they're denying both good films. <laughs> there's no denying the influence here. Yeah, that Blade Runner, yeah, had on my lifestyle. <laughs> sure, I. You strike me as somebody that I uh, burned candles at both ends because of that movie. <laughs> okay. okay, that's the only uh, impact it had on me. So again, we're in the discussion portion now. So spoiler spoilers are fair game. Uh, we have our three categories: actors, characters, direction, story, everything else. Twenty minutes for each category, and this is where I'm going to hand it to Ian, and he will run the show for this part. So I've I've been really excited for this, and since Brian always handled this, we're going to let Brian pick a category. Oh, first up, uh, let's go with um, direction and story. That's good. Okay, so real quickly for direction and story before we get into it, I just want to bring up this little background detail. So the author, Shiro, was asked what sort of books have had the most influence on him. He responded he finds books about insects most fascinating, as entomologists don't have many places to publish their work. So when they do, it's really interesting. Comparatively, what is uninteresting is the ninja rap by house renovationist Vanilla Ice. <laughs> Fuck turtles. Like, is every category going to lead in with some sort of turtles dig? <laughs> no, that's called, that's called me listening to the cold open from last week. <laughs> <laughs> it was a callback. That was a good one. Uh, so is this is this where I go? I can talk now? You're the time man. And you picked the category. Yeah, okay. You got all yeah, control now. All right, just checking, just checking. Uh, yeah, I thought the, uh, the story was very interesting. A lot more, I, like, I don't know what to, ex I never knew what to expect from this. I like, I know I've heard of it. I never saw the ScarJo one. So even in the back of my mind, I'm like, I have no idea what this movie is about. So the whole like AI type of hacking into people's, uh, well, not people's, but I guess like, you know, robots brains or Android brains or whatever like that. That was cool. And the whole, like, who done it and how are they getting in? The mystery of it was cool. I was into it. Um, I still feel like the, the ending was a little bit ambiguous to me, and I don't know whether we're meant to think that the major is good guy, bad guy, in between something new. I don't know. And I guess that's on purpose. Like, you're just sort of left to question it. It's left that way. But I, I guess I needed it, a just for me personally, I needed a little bit more clear. Um, but I mean, like direction wise and everything too, I thought there's something about just animes in general. I think, I think they usually depict action very well. So any of the action sequences I thought were really well done. And there was a, and maybe it's just cause I don't watch a lot of anime, but I felt like there was a lot of cool, like gunplay in here. And I don't know if that's par for the course for anime or just ghost in the shell or this director or what, but the, the detail of the, the gunplay I thought was surprising to me that I dug. And that's all I can think of off the top of my head. No, I, I agree with that. I, I Not all anime does guns very well, but this Ghost in the Shell is pretty well known for it. And like, they just have very dynamic action scenes. Yeah. They're usually always well done throughout the history of Ghost in the Shell. So I, I think those are like really, you know, good points to bring up. And then, yeah, the ending's supposed to be ambiguous because we don't really know what this new creation is at the end of the movie. We don't know enough about them to know. Are they good, bad? We just know... They now exist, and they want to find out what they are. You know, that's so kind maybe of where it leaves it. If you can just give me like a yes or no, is that plot thread continued into the sequel, or is the sequel something else entirely? Yes. 
Oh, I guess I didn't lead that question well enough, did I? So, so just, yes, it is continued in the next story? Yes. Okay, all right. Mike, do you have any thoughts on direction and story? A absolutely. Um, <laughs> I feel like the story was very, very well put together. For something that is giving you something that is as complicated as this is, it works so well at doing what, you know, a cyberpunk kind of science fiction movie always does. In that, in that first third of the movie, you're mostly confused as to how things work and what's actually going on in this version of their future. And then by the end of the movie, I, I understood it. Which, so many of these types of movies, by the end, you're like, what the fuck just happened? This, none of this made sense. But movies like this one, like Blade Runner, you get a full understanding of what's going on. It did a really good job of making you understand that this ghost is a consciousness that is within her brain that is then, it's like a shell that's on her brain that allows her to connect to the, you know, the net or whatever they the call internet, it at the yeah. time. Um, but it allows her to connect to this internet and it, it, you figure this out through the story. I, f I feel like that was really well done because a lot of science in like it, it's probably more about the failings of other science fiction that does so horrible mm -hmm. at explaining because they have an idea and they can't figure it out. It does a really good job of that. Um, in terms of, you know, the direction, the only, like, I can find minimal things to say that were negative. Um, for me, some of it was in... I want to say, like, the use of transitions was too extended at times. So, you know, they use very long transitions from one scene to another a few times in the movie where a part of the soundtrack plays for what seems like the entire song. And then we get the transition into the next scene. And I feel like that could have been shortened and nothing would have changed to affect how I experienced the movie. Um, it reminds me of like, there's one specific instance I feel like in the middle where like you're left, it goes from like, I think like them on the boat and then I think major is like taking a boat ride, like through a city that plays an entire song like you're talking about. And I know what the fuck was going on. And then we just go to the next thing after that. Like it didn't to me have any bearing on what the hell was going on. So, right. That actually, you would think that that's just like, okay, here's the cool music and look at the background. But throughout that scene, that three, four minute sequence, she's seeing people that look just like her throughout the city. Like each of those aren't her, just the one in the yellow jacket. So she's seeing what she thinks are exact replicas of her throughout the city, which is reinforcing her questioning whether or not she has autonomy in her life. Because if there's a bunch of Matoko models running around the city, am I even a real person then? That's part of the whole question that's reinforcing. Okay. And to like even further emphasize that, during that sequence, overlooking the bridge is this dog, and it's the third time we see that dog in the movie. The first time, the, dog. the first time we see it is in the apartment of the garbage man. It's on the TV. The second time's in the picture the the garbage man has, and then the third time we see that same dog is on that bridge. Just reinforcing, there's a there could be a lot of you in the world. You're not unique necessarily, and that questioning, like then which of me is the is that the same dog every time? 
I'm like, do I just keep running into this dog, or there's just that many dogs that look just like that? Are there that many Matokos running around, or is that just other people with dark hair and similar facial features, you know? Okay. That's what yeah, that, that was scene all lost was trying on me to then. get there. Yeah, I, I, I missed I all like, that. Right, like, I, I guess that's something you pick up on further viewings. Yeah, I mean, that's something that, you know, the first time you watch it, you're not necessarily going to get it. But I, I still feel like... It's, you know, given what you said, that's a well-done thing that they did, but it could have been done, I guess, more efficiently. I mean, they could have done it a different way, for sure. I think part of that, too, was just them being like, look how cool we can make these backgrounds. <laughs> I agree, and I, we're going to talk about that, because I was thoroughly impressed with the art in the movie, mm-hmm. but that's another, that's the, I guess, special effects discussion. I suppose is where we talk about the art. We've never done a real animated movie that's a good movie, so we we haven't really figured that out yet. Astro Boy is the only thing. Yeah. Is it the only other animated movie that we've done so far in Rewind? I had to think for a minute. Unless you count the Turtles, because they're pretty animated. (laughs) We didn't get to the animated Turtles one yet. That's next. Hopefully. I I don't know where that fits, but Mm -hmm. I I figured special effects because Mm -hmm. it's... Yeah. But... All around, I mean, it was a hell of a story told very well. Um, And, you know, it's one of those things, seeing it for the first time 26 years after it came out, I have to remind myself this is an original idea they had back then. Mm -hmm. That has been repeated since they did it, and not think of it in terms of like, oh, I've seen this before. And it's probably because of them that I've seen it Mm -hmm. before. I just haven't seen the original. You think yeah. the Matrix pulled anything from that? Like them I, jacking in the internet and stuff definitely. like that? No, the Wachowski said this is one of their biggest influences, and that's is why it? they okay. made the Animatrix, too. Okay. Because yeah. of this. All right. Yeah. This heavily influenced them. This is, like, they consider it one of the greatest films ever made. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So, Andy, direction and story. Uh, I think Mike um, was close to how I felt about the movie, except he said. Uh, other movies sort of leave you in the dust and not thinking you know what's really going on. This movie left me in the dust and I didn't have really <laughs> any clue what was going on. <laughs> I felt like they left me to go from island to island without a means to do so. Is there like any sense. specific like, part you're like confused about? Like, or, you know, like what was it just other things weren't explained I, well I enough? Un- I didn't understand the entire uh, preface of the movie with, mm. with her killing whoever the fuck she killed for whatever fucking reason at the very beginning. <laughs> yeah. That I... didn't connect to fucking anything. No, I think except that's very... other than to like show you her like cool camouflage thing. Yeah, cuz it's not like explained that the person she's killing is like an American diplomat and that because that guy is dead, that programmer with them can't leave the country now because now he doesn't have like the asylum papers weren't actually filed. That guy was lying about it. So that guy can't leave, and that's the programmer who created the Puppet Master. Like That's not, like, thoroughly drawn out. It's something you might catch, like, later on, because they reference back to it. And then there's the whole subplot, like, what the Puppet Master's currently doing is interfering these secret talks between the country of Gravel and Japan. And he's supposed to be, ha- like, that lady that's hacked in the beginning, the blonde, and they have, like, her brain out. So she was hacked because they were going to have the that lady kill a bunch of people at the meeting to disrupt it. Like, so there's a lot of things, like, I don't think you catch the first time like that with these little intricacies and explaining why we're going through these motions outside of, 
Like, I think you can still kind of get, like, Matoko's self-doubt and loathing, I think, just throughout, like, the first watch-through, kind of. And, like, the, the general ghost-in-the-shell plot of, like, not knowing who you are and figuring yourself out. But I think a lot of the minute details that connects that story on the string don't always, aren't easily there. So, so I didn't understand the, uh, the garbage man scene really at all. Mm -hmm. Um, like he was trying to figure out who was, who, what his wife was doing, but he Mm -hmm. didn't have a wife. Correct. So he went to a guy who gave him the means to do so. But I'm assuming the puppet master was the one controlling that guy because they said that that guy didn't even really have any sort of like, he was just, he was basically literally just a shell like mm-hmm. to the use for, for use of the puppet master. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. So the, the way I took that personally, like if I can, if I can try to explain what was happening there, the puppet master was controlling both of them. And unless I'm mistaken, he was trying like he, none of it was actually happening for them. None of it was real. What they were thinking or experiencing it was all just his using them. And he was trying to find Matoko no, with them. He somehow? was actually hacking a different government official. This was before he went rogue. So this was still playing okay. into him trying to hack in and like do his job to disrupt those political meetings. Okay, so that that was he, he was hacking both of those people in order to try and do. They were the task he did before mm-hmm. he found the shell that becomes the half-bodied blonde thing that yep. he's stuck in until the end of the movie. Correct. Okay. So another part that I didn't understand was the boat scene when the voice from afar mm-hmm. happened, and they were both like, huh? <laughs> and they don't really ever explain where that voice came from until like the very end when she's like, you remember that voice that I spoke? And I'm like, when did you fucking figure out you fucking spoke that bitch? <laughs> So yeah, that was the because she was master, staring yeah. off into fucking nothing, mm-hmm. and let just and then they had that the the music play, you know, like mm-hmm. and all those violins and shit, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, uh, that's the Andy's, way I look too. Or, like, I love, uh, I love Andy's reenactment you know, like, of this whole movie. Like, I kind of <laughs> want the Andy rundown of what this movie was. <laughs> <laughs> you should do a stand up routine and travel with, but it, him, just it, reenact Ghost in the Shell. It's weird as I as I talk about it to you guys. I'm sort of like figuring it out a little bit so <laughs> i don't know it it, it left what we're me, here for it left me thoroughly puzzled as to what the actual plot of the movie was mm-hmm. it didn't seem like there was going to be an antagonist or a protagonist at all to me um until the very very end so i mean th- there were just, it ended with a lot of questions and usually movies that give me a lot of questions aren't ones that i typically thoroughly enjoy well, it's just like Cheers. The protagonist was the bar. <laughs> uh, Ian, you and I sort of had discussions, I think, after, because mm-hmm. maybe something got lost in translation with the subtitles between mm-hmm. them talking about, the they keep referring to the ghost inside the, the machine and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and then at some point they start dropping soul mm-hmm. in the subtitles. And I was under the impression that ghost was quote you know quote unquote like the soul, and then yeah. they started using them in the same sentence, and I was like, well, wait, now I'm confused because I thought that's what we were talking about. So yeah, I'm not sure of the exact issue of why they translated like that, but in that instance, ghost and soul meant the same thing. It's just I think it was the, the the wording in Japanese changed, so they decided to make a different translation in the English so that they would stay different, but the meaning's the same. Like the ghost okay. is the soul. Okay. That's what, like, the whole time I took it as consciousness. Yeah, it's, um... Like, it's... 
it really the ghost just means self-awareness i think therefore yeah. i am like self-aware okay. and but because the japanese have a different spirituality than us so it's not always like one-to-one with the soul thing with us right okay so i guess we still got time so that means i get to read my thing <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Let, yeah you didn't go yeah we got four are. minutes left major matoko kusanagi is plagued by the question of her identity and the hesitant but whether or not she's an autonomous individual or rather an automated creation. To quote her, maybe all full replacement cyborgs like me start wondering this, that perhaps the real me died a long time ago, and I'm a replicant made with a cyborg body and a computer brain. Maybe there was never a real me to begin with. The movie has an excellent use of color throughout. In the opening scene before the major breaks into the room with the fleeing programmer, it is shown that the walls and ceilings are red. Red symbolizes danger. Well, this is broken up by the blue aquarium that's blue like the city at large we see throughout the film. The Major breaks through the blue, bringing the danger to those present. During the creation sequence, the Major's skin tone and surrounding change from blue to green to finally yellow, which is the color to stand out. Yellow is used throughout the film to stand out and differentiate from the other colors. This colored sequence is also mirrored in the diving scene, where as she's breaking in towards the surface, the top of the water is yellow. This is symbolizing her rebirth or birthing her existence coming into being from creation and then diving. That's what that feeling of hope she mentions diving gives her is that feeling of birth, feeling of like knowing I belong again. It makes her feel human. Another thing I think this movie does really well with the story is because Matoko is so questioning her identity. She can just shed her clothes with no hint of shame. This is mostly done, though, so she can go invisible, cloak and hide herself away, so she doesn't have to confront these feelings she's feeling. That's why the job is so important, because it helps her distract herself from her questions. And at the same time, the job is also her anchor to these questions, because the job is necessary to stay in this super cybernetic body. Without the job, she would lose it. And would they would she even be able to get put in something else? Because she's not sure if she's even a person that could go into something else. And I think also in direction, one of the coolest shots for me in the film is the the spider tank. It's zoomed out, and you see this large, large spider tank standing below a large ancestry tree. And I think that's a cool symbolization showing that even machines and cyborgs evolve as living creatures do. It starts at the base. And like Matoko and the cyborgs are like the evolution, the pinnacle right now of what robots become. I think the movie has a lot of good commentary on stuff like that. Like, and there's so many beautifully well like rendered scenes just throughout that. Like, I could, there's so many times I could hit pause and be like, put that on my wall. <laughs> like, it's just really well done with the shots it has. I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed every time I watch this movie because it's truly beautiful. Yeah, I think I would agree. They are, like Mike said, the art style for this is really, really cool. I mm-hmm. did like it a lot. So are we going to wrap up early? Does anyone else have any burning <laughs> story questions where I can run through my thing where I thought Brian was going to ask these questions? <laughs> um, I, I have one question for yes. you. So, you know, we both, I guess everybody here knows, you've been playing Destiny a lot lately. Oh, God. I don't how, like where this similar, is going. <laughs> how, how similar are we talking between an EXO and... Matoko, sorry. Uh, if the Exos have consciousness and have any type of human brain matter, they're the same. They're, they're a, I mean, Exos are a consciousness inserted into a mechanical body. If there's no, the if there's no are. physical flesh tissue presence, then that's the difference. Okay, 
like even in her fully cyborg body, like there's flesh in the muscles and stuff, and then her brain is you know regular but is brain it her matter. Flesh or is it synthetic flesh? I don't think they ever go into that. It's but it would be implied it's not her own flesh. It's some type okay. of created flesh. Yes. So, but there is brain matter that is hers. That, assuming that she is Matoko and not, you know, yes, in that sense, yeah, not they a, would all have not just a pure robot. Yes, they, should, they would have that. Everyone in the movie that's a human has that brain. Like okay. even uh, Togusa, who that's like his only cyber enhancement is he has the cyber brain, so he can connect to the internet. Okay. Go ahead. Do, okay. do we're, yeah, we're, we're just at time. 15 seconds left for 20 Make minutes. Make a tech mix the android bodies. They work in Section 9. Section 6 is Foreign Affairs. It's Newport City. The puppet master feels similar to Matoko because they're both questioning their own reality. She's not nude. She's wearing a nearly transparent suit. Time of the <laughs> Monk is a joke referencing the fact that a full cyborg does not have sex organs. I guess so the I whole section numbers, too. I totally forgot about that. I, I lost track of what section was what. There's only two! Stuff. There's two! Six and they and nine, briefly they mention the they, number they four. They mentioned four, right? Which is the Rangers. The Rangers, the Rangers of section four, they mm -hmm. mentioned? Which is just, okay. you know, army Rangers. So, as, as our anime expert, I have to ask this question. Is this the origin of anime titties? No, God, no. <laughs> okay. I know nothing about. I don't know. So the there's a of anime. very sexual you know. the... movie from the 1970s that's not like a porno, but it's a much like it's a very heavily sexualized movie that features much more anime nipple. <laughs> that's a lovely way to put it. Okay, I just okay. So moving away from the nipple talk, we're going <laughs> into our next topic of discussion. Andy, what you picking? Uh, what are my options? Actors and characters. Whatever else. <laughs> uh, actors and characters, then. Okay, so I'm going to break down the characters real quick before we dive in. So we have Motoko Kusanagi, who was portrayed by Atsuko Tanaki, who also plays Bayonetta in the game series Bayonetta, and the oh, Japanese okay. voice of Dr. Hazley from Halo. The English version is portrayed by Mimi Woods. No other credits that I care about. <laughs> Bato is betrayed by Akio Atsuka who is various snakes from the Metal Gear Solid franchise and in English is Richard Epcard who is in Kingdom Hearts 2 HD 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue Terra Xenoheart and he's Raiden in Mortal Kombat the video game series oh, all, right. all of them? Uh, since at least like the seven okay Tokusa is portrayed by Kuchi Yamadera, who is Inspector Zenigata from Lupin the Third as well, and from Kingdom Hearts, Donald Duck. <laughs> I, I, I thought I recognized Donald Duck in there. Yeah, that, you got it. And he was portrayed in English by Christopher Joyce. Daisuke Aramaki, the section chief, is portrayed in Japanese by Tomoyoi Uka, and in English by William Frederick Knight, who was the priest in the movie dead pussy he was Gordon <laughs> Rosewater in the big O and he portrayed Serial Boy in Guar Phallus in Wonderland I, I, I understand uh, why you mentioned each of those things because that's amazing <laughs> there was also like I, a movie about like moistening that I kind of thought about throwing in there too <laughs> but I thought that'd be too much so Andy, oh no yeah no no yeah you're right actors and characters 
for 20 minutes. I don't think Andy knows where to go from there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, Follow that, Andy. Good luck. I had trouble really getting into any sort of likes or dislikes with the characters because I was too busy trying to figure out really what was going on. Um, the main character, I would say, was uh, the major. I can't remember her name already, but uh, she... I mean, they portrayed her as what I would expect sort of like a robot human to be like. So it was like sort of um, ostracizing herself and, and, you know, just coming up with the word that I mean here, but uh, purposely like taking herself out of the equation a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the section head or Maki he this is the guy that had like the the, the horseshoe mm-hmm. hair yeah that's um, hair cut in the film <laughs> <laughs> he seemed like he really knew a lot of what was going on and I kind of wish that we got more screen time with him because I feel like he could have like answered a lot of the questions that I oh, I had yeah. just by giving him a little bit more t- to do or to even explain they really held um, back, I think, just how much she knew, I guess, like, as part of that, the bureaucracy knows you don't kind of feel. But it also would have helped to show some of that just to help explain the plot to viewers, for sure. Right. And, and I, I felt there, like there were a couple of moments where they introduced characters specifically just to give you little tidbits of information. Like the, the one the one guy using Cerebro or whatever the fuck that guy was. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he 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 like didn't hear of him. Before. Like I think he mentions him once. He's like, "Where the someone find so and so? What his name?" And then eventually they do find him, and he's like, "I'm hacking into all this shit." And then he's like, like a conspiracy theory guy. He's like, "What if? What if this? What if this? <gasps> what if this?" You know, <laughs> and it's just like, "Wow, okay." Like, like yeah, Ishikawa makes shit. like two brief appearances. One, he's with Bato when they're hunting down the garbage men, and then the other one's him hacking. And then explaining okay. the connections, yeah. Okay. That's like his so that's, two appearances. That's the, that's the Exposition same guy. man. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, because right. like, with exposition, there was multiple times where they're like, hey, you might not have heard this, and then they explained like, exposition. Like, the Major's purposely late in the film so they can expose to you their yeah. current plot. Let's get, we'll catch you up. You were missing, so this is what you missed. And the same thing happens when she's doing a ride-along with Toka, so she's like, oh, you might not have heard the Puppet Master. Here's what the Puppet Master is. <laughs> they do that a couple times. That's one of the weaker parts, too, I think, the film. Yeah, yeah, that just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Didn't care for that so much. Um, I... I, I, I sort of got into uh, liking the garbage truck guy who thought that he had a, a wife but actually didn't. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt bad for him because, you know, like everything that he thought he knew was they, they basically just told him flat out, like, no, this isn't what you thought you knew. Mm-hmm. And I felt for him be, because he asked him, like, well, like, am I ever going to feel normal? And they're like, honestly, we don't know, but probably not. And I, mm-hmm. I kind of wish that whatever thing they did to him, they had a name for it. I can't remember what it was, but he had like some sort of memory replacement, mm-hmm. something or another. 
and uh, that was like really the only time they really like mentioned anything like that. I I would have liked to have seen more of that character or even repercussions of other characters having that same issue. Yeah, because the only ones we see are him and that uh, guy, the guy he, that helped him, the programmer with the SMG being affected by the ghost hack. Because there's a third character that's ghost hacked, but it's that blonde lady towards the beginning. We just see her brain on display while they're working on it. So we don't see anyone like well into being ghost hacked and having their memories changed. And we don't see someone just like not actively doing bad things while that's happened. So there's, uh, yeah, it would be cool to see a little more of that fleshed out to just kind of know what that's all about. Like, what does that really feel like to know? Like, now you know your sense of belonging was ripped from you because right. everything in your apartment and everything your daily life isn't what you thought it was. And like, it's something like out of they live, and that would just, I would, I, I it would be hard to continue on. I think having your whole it, entire it, life it, told it would, lie. It would be. Um... It would be soul shifting, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, for sure. it would just rock you to your core. Like, it just, it'd be, it'd, it'd take a, it's just like a complete U-turn in your mm-hmm. life. <laughs> it's strange. Like, I think it was best summed up by the guy with the SMG at the end, just staring straight ahead at the camera, just staring. Get a real <laughs> blank look on his face. I was doing it. <laughs> And I, I think that really sums up that part. Any other characters you wanted to talk about, Andy? Um, I kind of got the feeling that the guy with the, I'm assuming is Bato, the one with the eyes. Yeah, the guy yeah. with like the the weird robot metallic eyes mm-hmm. sort of had a thing for the 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 main character, major lady. So I think in other Ghost in the Shells, it's portrayed more openly that he kind of has feelings for her but in this i think it's mostly he's just the one that's bonded with her the most outside of work like they get along the most of the two it's not told to us in the movie but they're the two that's been in section nine the longest so they have the longest working history so that's kind of it he cares for her and he's seen since he's known her so long these changes that have been happening and that's why he mentions to araki don't you read my reports this is all in there (laughs) why am i doing tps reports that made me laugh (laughs) <laughs> I feel like she comes on to him on the boat a little bit though too. I I think like that's what I brought up earlier. She just doesn't have that shame because she's like this isn't even my body. Why do I care if anyone sees me, you know? No, no, I don't mean like no. that. I mean she she starts talking about like pleasures and things like that that like no, I she, like I I feel like she's getting like she was hinting to him like is there a bed on this boat? Because, what the hell, I'm just a robot, let's do it. Like, it, it, it sounded along those lines. Where, like, you're saying, like, she doesn't care, mm-hmm. she doesn't have the shame. But she was also, like, like she was talking to him about, I guess, like, pondering about the pleasures of the flesh. Mm-hmm. Is the way I took that. So I could see him, ha- you know, like, he was surprised by it, it seemed. Well, it's also because he knows that she doesn't have any sexual organs. Because she's a full android replacement, so she will never experience that stuff. That's why she's right. kind of. That's kind of why she's talking about. She's like, you know, th- these are all these feelings, and I'll never know, and I'll never understand them. I, you know, it's why she made that time of the month joke because she'll, she doesn't, she'll never know what it's like to give birth. It's all taken from her now, and this is her Shh. life. When the hell did she make a time of the month joke? 
uh, in the very beginning, right before she jumps yeah. off the building. Were you watching the English version? Yeah, no subtitles. Yeah, in the English version, they don't have that joke. Instead, she says, um, the the wires are crossed. They completely oh. just edit that joke out <laughs> in the English dub. Yes. Okay, yeah. I didn't, yeah. I, yeah, I was like, what? what <laughs> I felt like I was paying attention because I was trying to understand what the hell was going on. And, like, you were. It just, yeah, that okay. joke's not in the English version. I okay, good. Clarify. It's like, did I miss a whole part of this movie? Maybe that's why I don't understand. <laughs> Mike, did you have any other characters you wanted to talk about? Me personally, I was just commenting on what Andy said. Okay, Andy, do you I'm, have anything? I, but yeah, I mean, I'm, like, I, I I do, but I don't want to take his time. I'll pass the torch. Yeah, that's fine. Um, for me, I feel like the puppet master, I think, is the most interesting character that we have in this movie. Um. It is such an interestingly put together idea of what an AI developing self consciousness would do or become, I guess. You know, it, it takes the opportunity, I guess, when it's given the chance to enter a shell. It takes that chance, it does it, and then it finds out, like, oh man, I'd really rather kind of bond and understand a real consciousness what it's like to be actually living as opposed to just this thing that i guess can't die essentially because it's just a program um it was really interesting uh you know if there was one thing about the movie that i f think was totally unique it was how they handled that character's desires how you know a a program developing desires, I guess, is was a really interesting idea for me. No, I agree. I really like that. I think it's also because it comes so late in the movie, almost like the final third, when the puppet master really becomes a character, because that's when it finally starts talking and doing stuff. It's able to get through almost like a full character arc in like 15 minutes, and it doesn't yeah. feel rushed. Yeah, it... it, it... It's a unique thing for a movie. Like, it's a unique opportunity if you're writing it mm -hmm. that I guess you thought up. I guess, you know, the, the writer obviously thought that up. No, that was, he lived idea. it. <laughs> he lived it. He's the guy um, that married his Game Boy. <laughs> wait, are you serious or are you kidding? I don't know if that's like a... Uh, that's a joke. Some guy married the anime girl oh. on his Nintendo DS. No, I remember hearing stuff about, like, oh, the guy married the Game Boy and stuff. I didn't know if you were actually, like, talking about the guy who literally no, did. No. Um, but uh, other characters I found interesting, um, I guess, I, you know, other than the Puppet Master, the, the guy that's just trying to get rid of his garbage late. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> he, he was pretty awesome. Yeah. He's just like, oh, what the hell? You know, like... They speed off, he's like, take this! <laughs> yeah, like, I can relate to that character. I know it's, like, it's so small, mm -hmm. but that simple moment is just a humanizing point for this random-ass character in this anime about, you know, this cybernetic future that isn't gonna be a real thing. Way way, way more interesting than what 2029 is actually gonna be like. Mm -hmm. But it was still that there's still the mundane, dumb shit of everyday life going on around these people. And sometimes movies, I guess, fail to acknowledge that. And that was a perfect opportunity to do it and make you realize, like, yeah, there's still a bunch of people down in the dumps that are just trying to get rid of their trash. 
No, I, I think one of the things they always say with Shiro's work with this ghost in the shell is he tried to tell a lot of... He didn't try to, but a lot of the story ends up being told through background details and stuff, bringing that world alive. And that's why people really connect with the story. Because the stuff, like you said, with the garbage man, it really shows more of the world. Like It gives you kind of now of an understanding of, yeah, it's not all just crazy cool tech shit. There's just... Some dude in a fucking wife beater trying to get rid of his trash. Because <laughs> yeah, reminded him. The truck him. drove away. You know, he forgot. No one told him it's trash day. He didn't know. Every person on the planet has forgotten trash day. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a, everybody has done it. And it. you're right. It's humanizing. It, it makes the world real. And I, that, that's what I liked about it. Any other characters you wanted to cover? We've thrown it over to the brag guy. Go for it. Brag Go guy. Um, I mean, I guess like the, the, I guess the main three, even though I guess Puppet Master might be four, but like, uh, Major, I thought she was cool. I got behind her arc. Um, I, I can't remember names, but the dude with the eyeballs, he was cool. Bato. Yeah. I liked, I, I got the whole, like, I guess, you know, Andy was, I think, leaning into like thinking like more of a relationship vibe. I feel like I got the like protective Mm -hmm. vibe from him for her. Um, and then who was the dude that was basically just like a normal guy? Tokusa. Like, yeah. I kind of want to see like his story. Like I his perspective in that world basically being just like a normal dude surrounded by mm-hmm. robotic people that are doing all the extraordinary shit. Like that's kind of the story I kind of want to see. I thought that's a cool a cool place to put a guy. I was impressed with him. I liked him most of the time. I don't know. I was, he was cool. I really liked uh, his gorilla line. I don't know if I do. I remember that one when when they're after he catches the decoys on the bridge and Matoko's going in like after the puppet master in that warehouse. Yeah, Bato says to him, "Tell the chief to send like backup for her." And he's like, "When did that gorilla woman ever need help?" Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the puppet master, like you said, I think we got the exposition for setting him up more and like his background and backstory and stuff. Not until like the third act. Mm-hmm. And by then, I'm still trying to figure out, like, is this guy just trying to survive? Is this, like, self-aware AI? Like, I'm still trying to figure out where I guess that falls for me. But as far as just, like, a character to, like, as a, an interesting antagonist, I guess, that was cool. Um, And then, like, uh, all the voice actors, I think, did well. I mean, granted, I don't watch a lot of stuff in Japanese, so hearing Japanese voice actors for me is, is mostly new, but... I thought they all did very well. Um, and I, you know, it wasn't something I thought about, but we, I know we were talking about how the three of us went to go see the movie in the theater. It was Japanese and then subtitled. And the only version that like Andy and if Josh was going to watch this could get available to them was the English dubbed version. So I didn't even think about like different voice actors and how lines could be different and stuff like that. So I, granted, I didn't see the English version to compare. I think you did, right? You watched both? Yeah, I've watched both. I finished the English one before this recording, and I okay. hated it. <laughs> I, it's Is not it a just great some of the dubs, dub. or like, what, what's the difference for you that you don't like? Well, it's mostly the dub. It's They, they did not get their best and brightest. Okay. The, so the, the voice, voice acting isn't up to par for the English version. Well, I mean, it, at that time... You know, anime had not really kicked off mm-hmm. in the West a whole lot, so they weren't putting a lot of effort into like, it. Richard Epcar does a lot of stuff. You know, he's he does he still does anime to this day. You know, he's a really good. He actually still does Bato now. Yeah, but right. like Mimi Woods, this is pretty much her only work. Gotcha. That was the major. Okay. I think she does an awful job. It was so bad that she has not been asked back for anything. 
Like, I mean, Andy, I guess you're the only one out of us that have, has watched the English version. Did you think the major's voice actress was well or fine? I, or no, Nothing really blew me away as far as like voice acting went. And there were parts that I thought that um, the action was dulled because I feel like the English dubbing was done way before the Japanese dubbing probably was. One particular moment was when she was behind the pillar. And like uh, she was about ready to like attack the tank, mm-hmm. yeah. I felt like that pause with nothing happening. And I'm assuming it's because like the English dub was done talking, and the Japanese wasn't even remotely done talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this is an awkward pause and action again. Okay, <laughs> I didn't think about that either. That's an interesting point. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, for the most part, I think I I dug what I saw. I thought that was they did a really good job. Any other characters? Are you good? I think I'm good. These are the okay. ones I could think of, yeah. It's speedrun time. The Major <laughs> is beautifully voiced by Atsuko Tanaki, who provides a dynamic performance. Tanaki brings a range of emotions to the character and portrays the Major as a powerful individual with equally powerful doubts. The Major knows she has to continue doing her job to keep her fully cybernetic body, making her like a prisoner. This chain bring this chain to work brings with it doubts that she is able to make her own choices. This fuels her need to seek out the puppet master, connect with it, to see if she is truly human. Bato is commendably performed by Akio Atsuka and is the heavy hitter of the group. Bato is the one who knows the major most outside of work. His role in the film is to try and convince Major Motoko Kusanagi that she is human and there is not anything to discover. After the major continues to show doubts, he goes and helps her find out the answers she is seeking. Togusa is brought to life by Koichi Yamadera. Togusa is the human in the story, who has no doubts about his own free will. He still has doubts, though, but why was he even selected to be part of such an elite team? His revolver is used as a symbol of the past. Even in an ever-evolving society, there is still room for the old to be beneficial. Chief Aramaki is the leader, portrayed by Tamio Oki. Chief Aramaki serves as a character to drive the plot. Were you right at the end, or did you cut it short because the I, timer I went off? I stopped. Oh. If, I mean, you want to go for a little bit longer. If you got more, go for it. He has concerns about Kusanagi, but with her excellent fieldwork, overlooks the problems. This allows the century, central story to unfold, as Kusanagi is never reined in. I think all of the characters really brought their own punch to the story to help deliver it in such an incredible way. Yeah, I mean, everybody had their role, which mm-hmm. was good. Like, you didn't feel like anybody was coloring outside the lines or doing more than they should, so I, that was fine. I liked it. And Mike Bradley knows his role because he's leading off whatever else. <laughs> well, I guess this is where special effects fall in, which is why I'm going to start right there with that. And the art here, I guess, falls into whatever else perfectly. Um, I was thoroughly impressed with the environments that they were able to draw. You know, the city itself, the buildings, the just everything about it was so well done. The character models were really good for the time, but I don't think they were exceptional to the point where I said, oh my goodness, you know, those impressed me. Not anywhere near what the environment did. You know, for an animated film to present a city that feels enormous and feels unique. It doesn't feel like, I feel like today you would see like cut and paste, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like we're just repasting the environment over and over and over again to make it look bigger. This was all hand-drawn stuff that is there and it's all unique in its own way. 
which really adds to the depth that we're seeing on screen. Um, and the effects that you get from, you know, the animation, in some cases, are extremely good. Uh, particularly, I think of the tank scene when she's hiding behind the pillars and it's being shot away. And they take all this time and effort to show it being shot away and it's just degrading. And it that to me was an amazing scene as well as like watching, I guess, you know, the way the tank shot around the room and mm -hmm. shot up the tree and all the different things that happened there. The destruction that the tank was causing looked realistic in its effect as to what might actually happen if a tank like that actually existed and was doing that. Um, you know, and I think it, you know, it, it suffers from the same pitfalls that any movie that's 26 years old and animated would fall into in terms of visuals, which are just, that that's nothing against it. It's just the technology they had at the time. Um, you know, it's not as sharp, it's not as clear, it, you know, I mean, and even in the 4K upgrade into IMAX, it's still like, okay. Yeah, this wasn't shot um, on some, like, really old film that's a lot easier to up-res and stuff. This is on this original cell shading they had back in the 90s, kind of retouched yeah. to look good in 4K. Right. Um, the other thing I was impressed with was, like, their, I guess, digital landscape, like the green and black mm -hmm. that they put over things. I thought that was really impressive to do an animation that long ago. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah, the 3D I, stuff was really impressive, like, doing that, like, in the mid-90s on their budget. Yes, and, and, like, that's, I guess, what I would say. is like, you know, if this movie was made today, the animation wouldn't be as impressive. Mm -hmm. You know I mean? You'd be like, oh, okay, that's, you can get the Adobe to do that shit for you. But being from 1995, it's really fucking cool to see that they were able to do that. Um, they, I guess I would touch on the soundtrack a little bit in that the songs were a little distracting when it went full into songs. They're a little bit much. They're a little bit too loud on the tuning. Um, I think we also talked about like the bullet sounds being mm -hmm. just way over tuned so, and like they they need toned down. They're just way too loud compared to everything else. Um, but the soundtrack that goes behind most of the action sequences and you know dramatic sequences, everything like that, I thought was really really well done. Um, it's just when they take those breaks for the songs that I was like, eh, I don't know, this isn't this isn't working. Um. That, that's really all I can think to say about other things in terms of the movie, so I'll just pass it along to whoever you throw it to next. Andy Souls. Um, I agree. The animation was was it was good. You know, it was it was enjoyable to to watch. Um, that I thought the transitions, like Mike said, got a little long and seemed to be unnecessary, and I thought the music was good to a point i enjoyed it but i thought that they let it roll way too long a lot of times where i almost got bored with it uh, after you hear about four minutes of it the, I feel like it was the, the few times in the movie when i felt like i was checking my watch 
yeah like you're like okay how long is this is it still going okay like wow this music is still going and they're still showing me this background stuff which is cool and all but like can we can we get back into it please (laughs) um uh other things that i liked i liked the um sort of the uh um i want to say it was the human guy uh sort of did pretty good detective work as far as when section six came to visit section nine and he was like counting and looking at the pressure points and oh yeah looking at all that i really enjoyed that part uh, of the movie i'm not sure if that would have been direction or story or what but um it was cool it, it was i enjoyed that part of it it reminded me of something that like I don't know, Batman would do with Oracle or something. It's a detective like, being a detective. Like, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, was, nice, it was cool. It helped him, like, it answered that question of, why are you in the group? Oh, this is why. Yeah. You yeah. can detect things. You know, the yeah. police the police work that, like, the others aren't maybe used to because they're more combat-focused. Yeah, and I feel like right. his human hunches are going to be different than, what did they call uh, Major's hunches? No, do you, is your ghost telling you something? Do you hear it in your ghost? That's kind of the verbiage they were using yeah yeah so his his hunches are going to be different than like her mm-hmm. feeling it in her ghost or whatever um i i was confused about uh, another part uh, part um section nine's leader had a bunch of squad cars around a guy or he had him under surveillance and this guy was walking into a house mm-hmm. and he looked back with a real evil looking look and then you never really see him again yeah that's not explained that's just another lead they're hunting down and i don't know really why they're showing it because it doesn't really impact our story like the implication is that might be the puppet master but as we all know now that's not but but was that the puppet master master before the section six guys destroyed him and forced him into the other shell no, because he this that that shell at the end, of the blonde, is the first time he jumped into a body. This person we saw like turn around, look at the camera, was just another person the puppet master had hacked. Yeah, because I felt like that had mm-hmm. an, an ominous, like an ominous foreboding, especially like the music that they played when he oh. looked back at the camera, and also 100%. his look uh, as well. And I feel like we got no payoff for that. We did not. Yeah, I don't remember that part at all. That's how good yeah, of a job I don't they remember did. Remember it. Yeah, right past it. <laughs> I, because, I, because they were talking about the puppet master, mm-hmm. and then they ask him about it, and he's like, blah 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 blah, and then it goes like almost like the the, the gopher meme where the mm-hmm. gopher looks at the camera like all weird, you know, like, and I'm oh, like, yeah. huh. I'm with Mike. I think you need a one man show for Ghost in the Shell. Like, I, I kind of really want it. <laughs> uh, f- for. Ian and fans of Ghost in the Shell, I would recommend not having that happen. <laughs> I feel like they would love it. They would love the, you know, like it, it's open satire. You know, you're not trying to you're not bashing shit on it. it or something. Yeah, yeah it sounds like a lot just... better than some of the con panels where it's a guy dressed as Deadpool just saying "fuck you" and "I fucked your mom." Like I had an hour long <laughs> panel. Heard it was terrible, and I'm so happy I didn't go. It was called Tea Time with Deadpool. 11 p.m. Don't go see it. Any other thoughts I feel like on the movie? I did Andy? see that at some con. I do remember that. Uh, this is Sucks the ass. anything goes. Yeah, anything, whatever, whatever. Um, 
No, I don't. I don't think I have really anything else like floating around in my head. Mike wants it back. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I do have just one other comment that it, it's about the animation. Mm-hmm. And so we talked earlier, and you know, I asked like, was this the origin of anime titties? Correct. And you said no. That is. Was this the origin of anime titties jiggle? Because I like it was something I couldn't help but notice that they had actually bothered to animate the jiggle. Unfortunately, this is also not the birthplace of the jiggle. <laughs> It, it's it was just like I don't know like it's still every time something like that is on mm-hmm. screen it's weird it's like oh they're they okay so somebody's job was to animate titty jiggle I'm currently rewatching an anime that has a specific animator for breast a specific animator for nipples and a specific animator for jiggles one guy for each I, I job don't doubt and that. Brian Labick what's up. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't know if I have anything like new to add. I feel like these guys addressed the same kind of stuff. So I'm just going to echo probably what they said. The animation I thought looked really cool. Uh, soundtrack wise, um, with these guys, there were, it was good, but there were parts of it that just pulled me out of the movie just cause I think extended time and what was going on. Just, I started to get like gloss over when some of that stuff was happening and, and it pulled me out of it. Um, I can't remember what else, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like overall, I liked it. I don't. I don't have a lot of stuff to to pick apart. I don't think. And I think most of the stuff I liked, I think we already talked about. So I don't know if I have anything that I'm still sitting on. So yeah, I mean, if you got anything else, Ian, I think I think I'm. I've said my piece. Some of my favorite shots in this film are like the major ripping her arms apart to open up that tank. That showing of overcoming your limits to get to the final solution. That final answer, just going beyond what there is. Literally tearing yourself to shreds i think not only is a powerful shot a powerful message i really that part, enjoyed that. like scared me at first i was like is she turning into the hulk like where is she getting <laughs> oh, all everything's just from? bulging and everything you're like the yeah fuck? i didn't know what the hell was happening at first i was mm-hmm. really confused for a second there she definitely got a lot bigger very quick mm-hmm. like the bulging and the muscles and all that yeah it definitely happened but it was also like that seems way off from like what her size was yeah. before <laughs> Yeah, I think that might just be the angles or something, but I, I get what you're saying. I really also like the SMG guy, when he thinks he lost him at one point, he just looks up at the sky, and you're looking down at him, and it's like an alleyway with a pool of water flowing through it, and the reflection is of the top parts of the buildings, and I think that's just such a serene view, this just moment of this guy who doesn't know anything, he doesn't know his name or anything about himself, just contemplating, what? why am I here? Just to suffer? <laughs> And, you know, I, it's a beautiful shot. I really enjoy that. And then, of course, the dive out of the be- in the very beginning is one of the most iconic shots in anime. It's so good that they threw it into the 2017 Scarlett Johansson film. It's, I think, amazingly well done. And I can't believe in Ghost in the Shell 2.0 they redid it in CGI. Because it's it just, it, to me, that's it's one of the most perfect shots in anime. Like Mike has mentioned throughout this, it is a beautifully animated film with painstakingly hand-drawn background scenes that really bring a sense of Newport City is a real place that has a lot going on in the background. There's a, People are living their lives here, and we're only seeing a taste of it. I think one of the most important things for me about this movie is it, it, it just the message of belonging and trying to find out who we are, and I think that really connects with me. Just that sense of doubt, maybe about yourself, like an imposter syndrome, just trying to figure out what is my purpose? Am I, 
do I have one and am I finding it and can I, you know, what do I do to go on? And I think that's really powerful. And I, I like I said, I love this film uh, on the music. I loved all of it. I'm very happy they let the songs play through. Now, like I've said, I'm on my God knows how many watch of this. I've listened to the <laughs> OST. So I, you know, I'm sure that impacts some of it where I, I'm like, yeah, keep playing this banger, you know. I don't mind that it keeps going on. Even the transition scene, like I said, with the boat, like not only is, like I said, powerful because it's showing all the copies of Kusanagi, but I really just enjoy that song and seeing all these cool backgrounds. It's like we're floating down the river, getting to where we're going. Well, that's what, like, I like that scene more now that you've explained it to me. But mm. at the time, I was like, what the hell is happening? And why are we here for four minutes? They, they could have just had a little bit of like internal discussion with her. Be like, like Ian said, to just, just, just a quick like three sentences or even just like a short little paragraph of like what was actually happening there when she was mm-hmm. seeing herself and so many other people. Yeah. Because it, it, I was thoroughly confused. I think um, one of the other things I really like about this film is the ending when Kusanagi is now in the little girl body and she makes the joke about, is this what Bato's into? Which I thought was really <laughs> funny, but it brings up, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't identify herself as Kusanagi as the puppet master. She's a new thing. It's about this. The story at the end of the day is about this, this AI that found out it was now self-aware and immediately said, I need to procreate and then die. And that's what it seeked out to do immediately. And they did that by creating this new... She actually goes by Matoko Araraki. Uh, so she now takes the Sexton Chief's name, but then keeps her own name to create this new identity at the end. And then goes out to explore the net, just experience the world, and find out all there is to see in the world. And it's not connected in the later animes, because they all do their different origins and stuff. But that's kind of what Ghost in the Shell is about, is about discovery, is about seeing that new experiences and finding out what can humanity do because humanity will always try to push everything to its utmost. You know, I I think it does a lot of good stuff with that. And I really, like I said, enjoy this film. And I hope if you're listening and haven't seen it, you check it out. I mean, I do think it's something I would actually watch again. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm, I'm thinking about like, okay, so they're really, the whole reason we saw it in the screening was because they're putting it out in 4k. So it's like, Ooh, maybe I will pick this up in 4k just to add to the collection. If I ever get the need. Yeah, so that could be that could be worth adding to the collection. I have a feeling this movie. Um, I know it's a cult classic and whatever, but I, I have a feeling like most cult classics, they sort of grow on you the more you see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a feeling that. like the more you rewatch this one, the more you end up liking it. I do think there's a lot of details that are easy to miss the first time through because they're not thoroughly explained. It's just kind of discovering new things because you already know other parts of the plot. Well, so a lot of it too. Like I said, I other this... stuff. I don't watch a lot of movies with subtitles, so mm-hmm. especially on a big IMAX screen, oh, yeah. like I'm looking at the bottom half of the screen trying to read the words, so I'm missing anything up top. Mm-hmm. So it would be a good movie to rewatch at home when I can see more visually, sort of what's going on, and that might help me find some stuff that I missed. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, like I, I never, I never thought of it in those terms, but I don't think I'll ever see another subtitled movie in IMAX, or at least like that... sit in the back, like. Pick better seats. Something. <laughs> like, we were per- fairly far back. Like, we were back third, maybe? Yeah, like, probably, right third, yeah. You know, it, it's still just IMAX screens are just so damn big. You, like, we talked about it. You had to physically move your head to read the subtitles. Yeah. And that was just, like, it was tough to really appreciate the whole thing in that sitting. Um, So, 
yeah, I could definitely see picking it up to have at home and watch on a normal size screen where you can do all at once. Ian, question for you. Is that the first time you saw the movie in the theater? Correct, yes. Okay. That's kind of why I wanted to go. Yeah. All right, that's cool. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. That's, yeah. I figured I'd probably never get to again. They do the Studio Ghibli films every year, but some, they they don't really release old stuff back into theaters, so. Yeah. Maybe when they do 8K or 16K, <laughs> whatever well, we get when we're 60. I'll be a cyborg I'm, by then. I'm curious, <laughs> Ian. Uh, how did you, like, what was your route to discovering this? Uh, so the anime that, like I said, isn't connected to this aired on a Toonami. That's how I found out about Ghost in the Shell, originally watching that anime TV series back okay. in like the mid to late 2000s when they brought it over. And then eventually I found out, hey, there's a whole movies series about with this. And then I looked into that. I ended up buying the DVDs at one point, and that's how I started watching this. I still have the original DVD that well, I bought. And would, you, nice. would you recommend for people who enjoyed this movie to watch the uh, show? I think so. Like I said, it's a different origin story, but the first season is about them doing kind of a similar thing, though, where they're hunting down a hacker. And it deals more with, like, the corporate structure in, like, the actual society that they that, that Japan is than this movie does because it's, you know, I think it's, like, 24 episodes or something that season. So you get a lot more time to breathe in the world, and then they actually made a follow-up sequel movie to that anime. And then a whole other series, which we can get into in the sequel. Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence. <laughs> but I think if you like this, that's something I would definitely check out because it has a lot of the same themes and elements. And honestly, and, I, same voice actors for the Japanese side. And, and do, do you think there's like some sort of like box set where you can get both movies, the whole anime? I think the animes have their own individual box sets, but I don't think they currently sell a box set with all the movies just because the 4K release is so new. Like, it came out last year. They're kind of selling that one by itself. And then you still have to go find number two somewhere. Okay. Number two. Correct. (laughs) Uh, Ian, do you you prefer, or at least would you recommend the Japanese version for people to watch if they're watching it the first time? I think the Japanese version is superior voice acting-wise. I think purely from that standpoint, it's the version to watch. Um, I feel like that, though, about all anime though except for a handful (laughs) like cowboy bebop and um some other ones but i think for the most part i think you're better off watching in the japanese but i don't think other than the one joke we explained at the top to andy because he just didn't hear it because it's not in the english version i don't think you're losing anything in this instance by watching the english language version gotcha especially if you haven't experienced the japanese version you might not notice the difference i think in quality between the voice actors yeah. Well, is that is that the end of the category? Anything else? I mean, I, I would have one last question, I guess, for Ian, is, you know, since I'm assuming you've seen the sequels, mm-hmm. are we on a even trajectory for quality? Are we going up? Are we going down? I, what can we expect? Animation-wise, I think it gets better in the next one. I think it, it goes a little further because they got more of a budget and stuff, too, and just the timing. Uh, the story, I think... It's tough because it's it's very different. There's a it's a, a okay. different dynamic, and it we have a lot more Bato and um, Togusa. So actually, there's a lot of Togusa in the next one. It's actually more about him. Well, there okay. you go, Brian. That's what yeah. I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting it. Yeah, I mean <laughs> Togusa. I'm here for it. I'm ready. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to direct us anywhere else, or was that it? 
That's I guess it. we hit all three categories. We're kind good. of covered everything I think I need to say about this movie is that it's excellent. And I hope that one day me and my buddy Zack Snyder acquire the rights so that we can make it in our own artistic vision. I'll cross my fingers for you. Thank you. Uh, all right. Well, I guess I'll take the ball back. So it's time to ask you guys, do you think this movie holds up or not? Or I guess, do you think it ever held up? Uh, I feel like I know some of the answers, but Ian, we'll start with you. So this movie came out so long ago and it holds the fuck up. It's <laughs> just as stunning as the first time someone might've seen it in 1995. And it's just as stunning to me now. It is the epitome, the, the, it is the, the masterpiece of the cyberpunk genre to me, not just the cyberpunk anime genre. Just, I think it's the best cyberpunk movie I've ever seen, which is my favorite genre of media in general. And I, I don't think there'll be a movie on this list. I have such a connection to ever again, except for, <laughs> Probably the next um, Turtles film, because I know I'll hate that with such a fury. <laughs> to be uh, fair, the next one's a lot better. I, I think so, too. So. But, you know, he, we thought the other ones were better, too. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like he's going to tell us he hates us, even if he lo- if he loves it. Like, either way, it's just he has to shit on them all from here on out. Well, except for the Bay ones. Those are probably cool. <laughs> <laughs> ten out of ten. <laughs> Lots of explosions. Uh, Andy, what do you think? Does it hold up? Do you think it ever held up? Um, it might have not been my favorite storytelling thing ever, but I can see why it holds up and, and why it is a cult classic. And I, I feel like if I did maybe give it another watch, I, I would probably like it more. But I would say, yes, I, I know why it is a cult classic and it does hold up. Okay. Uh Mike, what do you think? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I I I think it's you know, the the art and everything was I think ahead of its time. Yeah. And the story was not necessarily ahead of its time, but it was leading the way alongside things like Blade Runner uh in terms of like what cyberpunk worlds can be. And yeah. I think that it, it holds up today just the same as I would love to see more of it. You know, like I first time seeing it, now I want more of this universe. Yeah. So I can't um take any points away on that at all. Okay. It holds up. Got news for you, there's a lot. They kept they keep making it. <laughs> I'm I'm aware, but I wasn't until I saw it. Uh yeah, I agree as well. I I think it does hold up. I think you know we come out of, if we come out of these movies, especially for someone like myself watching it for for like any of these movies for the first time. If you come out of this thinking, oh, you know what, I'd watch that again. I think yeah, that's sure sign that yes, this holds up, and that's sort of where I'm at with this one. So yeah. yes, I agree. Just like the original Swamp Thing, I'm sure we've all watched that multiple times yep, since no, then. Never again. Nope. Twice more since. <laughs> Twice more. Uh, all right. So we'll spin back around too for uh, everyone's ratings out of ten. So I'm gonna revisit. Rotten Tomato and Metacritic. We'll see if you agree with those ratings and give me your own. Rotten Tomatoes, again, critic rating 96%. Audience rating 89%. Metacritic has a meta, meta score of 76. User is 8.8. So going back around the horn, uh, Andy, do you agree with those ratings? And what do you give this movie out of 10? I, I know it's a cult classic, and that's a lot of the reason why I think it has the ratings that it does. Um but it hit a lot softer for me. Uh, Fair. So I, I would tend to disagree. I would give it a six. Okay. Uh, Mike? 
Um, I understand the ratings. I, you know, I agree with what Andy said that, you know, perhaps it being a cult classic is, you know, a driving force behind some of the reviews and all that. But for me, it's a 9.25. Wow. Um, okay. You know, it, it's, it's up there. It's damn good. Um, you know, I, there's not a lot bad I could say about it. It just, it, it's not perfect, but it's, it's really damn good. Fair. Uh, Ian, where you at? So as we always know, I agree with the critics 100% on this. They just <laughs> know what they're talking about. This movie is a perfect 10 out of 10. It's going to be the best movie I think we might be watch on this, except maybe to the Ghost in the Shell 2. Uh, Kira did not make our cut because we had 500 fucking movies when we started the project. <laughs> so that was probably going to be the only one that came close. And like I said, I love this movie with all of my heart. I'm completely biased. I've seen it so many times. I'm a huge lover of anime and all things cyberpunk. And this movie is probably the, one of the greatest blends of those two of my favorite things. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I do think most of these ratings hold up. I think I'd, I tend to agree with where Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic, more, maybe more towards Metacritic than Rotten Tomatoes. So a little bit lower for me. Uh, I, th I think it's a solid eight. I, I'd be curious if it, if it goes up for me on repeat viewings, but after a first viewing, I think eight out of 10 is good for me. I'll allow it. <laughs> uh, all right, so we'll go to the wheel. So it's time to spin the wheel. So that concludes our discussion for Ghost in the Shell from 1995. Uh, we're going to go to the Wheel of Fate to pick our next movie. So as, as I mentioned earlier, the wheel features three franchises, three standalone movies. Uh, the idea behind this has always been to try to keep some sort of variety going. Uh, so we're still trying to feel this out and see how it goes. So we may retool somewhere down the line. But for now, this is what we're doing. So our three franchises currently on the wheel are Ghost Rider, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Ghost in the Shell is still there since we, we only did the first movie of that franchise. Uh, the three standalone movies that are still there are Speed Racer, Supergirl, and Steel got added last time. This is a hell of a wheel right now. Yeah, so it's I don't really know where the hell... towards franchises I want to see and solo <laughs> movies I'd rather avoid except for um, the Wachowski one. Or is that the oh, Speed Racer? I mean... I, I still really want to see Speed Racer. I yeah. think I think I think that deserves a rewatch. Out of all it's of, been a very long time since I've seen it. Out of any of the solos, that's the only one I want to watch. <laughs> I really hope it's Steel. Like if it's Steel, I feel like that's just gonna be me like writing down jokes for the whole watch. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, any other predictions? I'm gonna start spinning. Let's go hey, to the you... shell so I can get out of here. Can you make no, it Andy, bigger? we're not making it bigger. <laughs> I can't make it bigger. If You're it's steel, what you get. the good thing is that then steel is off the wheel. Just... Oh, dear Lord. It's not even moving for me. It's like... We'll it's get there. Steel. Slowing down. I forget what color is what. Oh, yes! We're back to <laughs> turtles. <laughs> Bringing it back around, Ian. This is all for you. <laughs> like, like why we we delay this one for like five fucking months and then you're gonna tell me as soon as you stop this hey guys we're doing turtles tomorrow <laughs> it was the Next best week. of times you know what though it was the worst of times <laughs> the, the delays for ghosts in the shell led to us getting to see it together in the theme 
That's true. That's true. He's going to make me so, watch this turtle movie like next fucking week. <laughs> I promise it will not be that soon. I'm sure we'll we'll it'll be another month probably, at least 3 3 weeks or so before we get the turtles. So since I don't think I I actually said the title yet, the, the next one we are watching for the Turtles franchise is TMNT from 2007. I'll probably watch it a few times in there cuz I haven't seen it in probably 10 years. I just remember it being awesome. Yeah, this is one I might actually fit in two viewings before we get into this and and talk about it cuz I do remember liking it, but it has been a while since I've watched it. Yeah, it may, it may not hold up. This might be one where I'm actually like, wow, this doesn't hold up. <laughs> yeah, so I it's called all of them. Art style. <laughs> well, Ian, to your it's point, we're one step closer to the Michael Bay Turtles now, too. I mean, yeah, but I might not be on the show by then, so fingers crossed. Yeah, see, we got to get through these turtles it, quickly. We get the turtles off, then we get a different thing on there, you know? Yeah, yeah new franchise anime, after that. So I don't, you know, whatever, I don't care. It's going to be the MCU, <laughs> and I'm going to be super pissed off. i got to start rewatching that already. <laughs> <laughs> this, I, this, I don't know. Yeah. this whole rewind theater thing is really just meant to torture you the whole you specifically not anyone else just you i know oh i know <laughs> we get we get one good swamp thing movie <laughs> well the heather locklear swamp thing movie was good yeah, I don't you know missed the other is. swamp thing one yeah what was, yeah i was busy the heather locklear one she was it's in the swamp thing too one. yeah yeah that one was one. The worst one. <laughs> that was amazing. It had the dumbest shit happening all movie long. It was great. It's, it was yeah, not, it's not great. <laughs> it's it's not good. Mike did um, like right, so the most out of everyone. I'm looking at the scores. <laughs> I, you know what, Heather Locklear in like <laughs> 19 or 20 or whatever the hell she was in that movie. Okay. So that's what we're ending with Heather Locklear for this episode. <laughs> So again, uh, yeah, you guys got, uh, if you're listening, you got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the TMNT animated movie from 2007 to look forward to for the next Rewind Theater. So we'll post about that when we're getting ready to watch. And that's it for us. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five-star rating and review. Give us a share on social media. Make sure you follow or subscribe to keep up with the show. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher. You can find us on Facebook, search Bry Guy and his Super Friends, or go to facebook.com slash Superfriends. You can send us questions, comments, topics, topic suggestions, any of that stuff there. Uh, try to email us, braggasuperfriends at gmail.com. It's, it works. It's legit. It's on. I will never check it. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at BGSuperfriends. That I will see. We'll be able to talk to you there. Uh, feel free to follow me on Twitch for the, either the next time we go live or, you know, anytime I decide to stream some games. I am Jedi Braggy on there. Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. That's so. I'm just going to let Andy do it this time. I'm not trying to interrupt him. <laughs> uh, Ian, nice job today. Good job with the with the hosting duties. I It was not a, as bad of a shit show as I expected it to be. So that you, implies you it that it was still bad. <laughs> I thought it went really well. I did say it went well, so I, t- I take back the shit show comment. I apologize. Thank you. It was, it was good. Uh, but yeah, on behalf of Andy, Ian, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye!